let me tell you what like a virgin's about. It's all about this coos who's a regular fuck machine. Now I'm talking morning, day, night, afternoon. Dick, 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 dick. How many dicks is that? A lot. So one day she meets this John Holmes motherfucker, and it's like, whoa, baby. I mean, this cat is like Charles Bronson in the Great Escape. He's digging tunnels. All right, now she's getting a serious dick action, and she's feeling something she ain't feel since forever. Pain. Pain. Chew, Toby, chew. It hurts. It hurts her. It shouldn't hurt. You know, her pussy should be bubbling up by now. But when this cat fucks her, it hurts. It hurts just like it did the first time. You see, the pain is reminding a fuck machine what it was once like to be a virgin. Hence, like a virgin. If time is my vessel, You know, there are times where we do this podcast where, like, sometimes I feel like I'm the asshole for not wanting to watch certain things, but Douglas not watching Parasite is probably up there for, like, <laughs> probably a podcasting crime. Yeah, of no, course it is. Definitely. And this is a movie that I genuinely know I will love by a, a director that I already respect and love everything. Well, not everything, but most things I've seen from him. I, and I'm just like, eh. The, the I get diagram, to it when I get to it. The Venn diagram for Parasite and Douglas is a solid, like there's no overlap. <laughs> it's just a solid circle. <laughs> like, Damn it, Andrew. So, hi and welcome to the Stop Unnamed missing. Movie Podcast. Stop this is Andrew. <laughs> this is Damien. This is Douglas. We return again. Hopefully, in a non-disappearing recording of the podcast, <laughs> to talk about movies. Um, yeah, I mean, we're here to talk about two things. <laughs> Calling them movies might be <laughs> a bit strong. I mean, we could. I, I'm talking about the things we talk about after those two things. Oh, 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 right. Okay. Well, let me get TV show. Me and Douglas have to talk about the expanse. <laughs> um. But yeah, this week we're here and we're here to talk about the 2012 documentary by Sophie Fiennes um, in which philosopher Slavoj Zizek, I'm sure I'm ruining that name, takes us through, as he calls it, the pervert's guide to ideology. Ideology is not simply imposed on ourselves. We, in a way, enjoy our ideology. We are not dealing here with something which simply concerns. So yeah, ideology, which, yep. as, as Mr. Zizek told me at the beginning, is a trash can, mm-hmm. right? Um, Damien, Hi. you're much smarter than the rest of us, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, you're into all philosophy and ideology. Yeah, man. Tell me, tell me, how did Mr. Zizek (laughs) score in his Uh ideology? All right. So first, I will say, uh, first I'll apologize because this movie is trash. But I saw an interview with this man from a couple of years ago and how he was described and how he came across in the interview is that 
while he's a philosopher, he's one of them that um, is fun, right? He makes jokes. He knows a lot of pop culture. He's not just, oh, I think about the difficult things and then bores people to death, droning on and on about things. And he wasn't that in the interview. It was actually funny. And then they played clips from this movie. And I went, all right, let's see this movie. Uh, and none of this movie reflects anything. Whoever cut that interview footage is a <laughs> best marketer, Best marketer of 2020. <laughs> uh, like, in fact, here's, here's how... Here's how bad it got. Even before watching the movie, I was just like, all right, let me look for a couple of his books. Let's see what's like there's an audiobook of. Because I assume that this if he if he comes across in the clips that I saw, because they pay, played some of the clips from even this movie. And I was just like, all right, if this is what this movie is, then I want to see, you know, what his writings are about. Because he seems, you know, okay. And then I watched two hours of this, and it is not okay. <laughs> uh, it is, it is preachy, but I guess that it's his job. Um, but yes. listen, he's spent a lot of time thinking about things that I try not to think about because I've real things to do. <laughs> uh, and while I enjoy the fact that he is a fan of movies and that he has put these pieces of these films in there to try and you know make his points for him the fact of the matter is this is two hours of one man talking at us about things that no one outside of let's say second year university <laughs> spends any time talking sorry i mean there are a couple directors soko being one of them that clearly is in this man's wheelhouse but i am not uh, wait, hold on hold on hold on oh, why why are we picking on soko oh i'm talking about preachy directors people who just have a point of view and want to ram it home uh, in, uh, in by, by using film Andrew, uh, turn off his microphone. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm booing him not because he's mentioning Soko. Mm -hmm. I'm not booing Soko. I'm right. booing Damien for equ equalizing. Because that's uh, the word I'm going to use yeah, right now because there's a new show with Queen Latifah oh that I'm just, I'm, oh just, I'm just in awe that they brought back the equalizer. Every time I see the trailer, um, I want to vomit. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I really did think that like it is why i record i put it in the thing sight unseen i'm just like listen i want like even if they don't like it i think i'm going to like this and i was wrong <laughs> uh the only good thing is he mentioned a couple films that i have forgotten about there's a couple in there that i hadn't seen and then there's a couple that he mentioned that I had seen, but it's been so long that I forgot that those films even existed. And watching him, you know, you know, use these clips and stuff, um, at least the movie did that. So it gave me, you know, oh yeah, 
he's a he's really a big fan of film and so he um and while he thinks about film in a way that i don't it's nice to see these movies to say oh yeah there's some there because every now and again i'm like have i exhausted the good films because we keep going wider and wider like american cinema we've kind of abandoned in long stretches we're just like listen <laughs> we've seen all of these movies and so it's good to know that there's still some movies out there that because i think i saw they live once as like a teenager oh, and i, I love don't that movie so much. i don't think i enjoy that movie at all um oh you need to watch it damien you need to right. watch it again so, right so no seeing that i'm just like oh yeah i need to watch it um his take on taxi driver i think he might be overthinking what taxi driver is <laughs> but uh, i think that is his job is to overthink things uh but it was not i didn't find it engaging uh and i didn't find it entertaining even when you use clips from very popular movies if after two hours i'm still bored then it's not there's i don't think there's anything that can be done to fix this except take him out of the movie and then then it's just a youtube compilation of, of movies of movie clips <laughs> That's... all right all right let me let me take this one on let me take this one on because I, co- I I feel like Damien, you're speaking at it from the the direction that I feel I would have wanted this movie, and in other films I've seen before that I love, and I mean I've sat through a lot of Mark Cousins documentaries in which he goes through the history of film. I've sat through things like the Scorsese four hour TV documentary in which he basically goes through the history of his movies he loves, and he literally stops at the point where he starts making movies because he's like, look, I don't want to like model up like my filmmaking time with this i'm just going to talk about my old last movies um and you could also insert any youtube channel that i that i subscribe to which is just video essays on movies where they just go through films in in ridiculous detail of of just um concepts ideas um technical prowess all of those things which i find constantly fascinating to think about to 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 just deconstruct and to play around with it's a thing that you claim i've always wanted this podcast to be but we never got to be um and sometimes sometimes i think you might be right and i think that depends entirely on the movie (laughs) (laughs) there are some movies that don't call for it right um but most times i don't think you're that right i just i i i seen someone like him who put so much thought into movies like this i find it fascinating to hear people just break them apart i think that he does well in being that character of who he is breaking apart his movies where this movie falls off for me and becomes one of the most bad takes, let's call it. And I entirely put it down to the fact that I could not be smart enough. He is <laughs> well better than me. Yeah, All of those things. No, Andrew, don't do that. That's right? what a lot of these people want for you to doubt that. <laughs> they use enough words to make you start doubting that you understand 
things that you've understood your entire life. No, no, no. Yeah, you don't agree true. with his take. <laughs> it's just that we're, right, right we're, we're victim blaming and I yeah, don't support that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Where me and this movie completely break apart, right, is when he starts to take these ideologies that he goes deep into these films on and starts putting them next to real life, right? And put, let me be honest, I watched this movie like two weeks ago. I've forgotten a lot of what was in it. The one that stuck out in my mind that I remember to know was when he eventually gets around to Kubrick and to, mm-hmm. um, to Full Metal Jacket yeah. and then puts that akin to the soldiers in the Iraq war doing what they did to the prisoners of war. Yeah. Um, where, like, I... Uh, he could be on a whole other level of understanding the men- the mind of people, but there's a part of me that maybe it's that I don't want to think about those things. Maybe it's that even though I can tell you, like you you talked a little bit, Damien, about taxi driver. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've I understand a lot of what I think taxi driver is about and what it kind of hints at to other real things going on in the world. Right. Um. But sometimes, and maybe it was just that specific incident, sometimes putting things, equivocating things like that, mm-hmm. like it just makes me go like, no, this we've gone past movie talk now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I am just not interested in this sort of... Yeah. It is this no sort longer, of... It's no longer fun movie time. <laughs> Um, and it really upset me, like watching those parts of this movie, like uh, him just talking about movies and being like, movies do these things. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm with you. I'm like going down this rabbit hole. I'm sure I probably lost a thread a couple of times because uh-huh. I'm not so smart. Um, boy, he talks a lot. <laughs> right. Um, so many but it's just a fun time of me t- hearing somebody talk about movies about for someone who obviously loves movies. Right. Um, and then, like how you said, you're like jotting down all of the movies he mentions that you're like, I've never seen that one. Right. And you're like, I'll totally go and track that down. Mm-hmm. But then when he comes down to like real life, I'm like, oh boy, me and you not playing together anymore. <laughs> like, like, I, I understand that like he wasn't trying to specifically criticize only capitalism. Because he started out um, with um, communism, and then in the middle he talked about you know some Marxist ideas, and then he got down to capitalism. And he was going through all these movies. And I was like, "All right, dog, look, this was supposed to be fun. Like you're putting in these movie clips, right? Like you had, like you had the joke with Coca-Cola in the desert and thing. And I was just like, "Yo." Just like you have to do something to spice up this movie. Listen, I'm not going to say I've never seen a Russian comedian, but I've never seen a Russian comedian. <laughs> you know what you look and sound like. You need to do something to engage your audience. And using every philosophical word you can come up with, that ain't it. And wrapping it in this you know, montage of movies. I really was excited to see this, but the entire time watching this, I'm just like, oh no, this is one of the bad ones. <laughs> like, I want, I don't want 
anyone to watch this movie. Because what do you get? What, what is? What are your takeaways from this movie? Right. And I mean, I'm the guy who sat through like a 14-hour Mark Cousins documentary on the history of movies. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you're right. Like, like this is this is for me, and I'm and I am completely like sold. Like, I think he did another one which was just about women, specifically films made by women. And I've not seen that one yet, but I'm sure it's like 10 to 12 hours long. And I'm like, I'll sit through that and jot down a long ass list of movies. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't have a lot of points to make on this movie. I don't have a lot of things to say, but the things I have to say are not good. None of them are good. Uh, just like this movie, not good. Um, I have a real problem with this movie. Um, here's the thing, right? This movie is him talking at you for how long is it? Two hours? Two hours an hour yeah. and a half? It's, two, it's a long two time. solid hours <laughs> of just and, one man talking at you. And I was going to end with this point because this really sums up how I feel about it. But there is a genuine problem with movies like this. Um, or I shouldn't call it a problem, it is that you're taking a big risk. As the storyteller, you are relying solely on that person, right? And so your movie or your whatever it is that you're trying to get me to watch, it lives or dies on whether I either agree with the person or find them entertaining or um, find something that I can latch onto that I can engage with in, in, in that. Now, this man had to work extremely hard for me to turn off. Because I, like you, Damien, I didn't, I didn't watch any interviews. I didn't look for any books. But I did watch the trailer to this movie before, um, before I, I saw it. And... Like your man who did the interview, whoever cut this trailer together knew exactly what they were doing. And He's what doing the real work. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched that trailer and got very excited because it promised me some things that, I mean, oh boy. Um, and the sad thing about it is that the people behind the camera, the people doing the work, in order to dress up what this thing is, did the work, right? Um, a lot of these things, if you replaced him with, I don't know, uh, a, a talking potato. Someone phone. I, I would have enjoyed phone. this movie a lot yeah. more because they do things like, so he speaks about a number of movies or Actually, let me not put it that way because he doesn't necessarily speak about them. He speaks around a number of movies. He weaves certain popular films um, into whatever narrative he's trying to tell you, right? And they make serious visual references to those movies in the sense that, um, one, they actually show clips from the movies. Mm -hmm. Two, they put him in scenes that look like the, the movies themselves that he's talking about. So I remember there was a point where uh, A Clockwork Orange popped up 
And even before he started talking about the movie, before they showed a clip of the movie, I got excited because I saw the scenery and I'm like, shit, this is definitely a Clockwork Orange. Mm -hmm. I like that movie. And you sort of get happy for no reason other than you like the thing that he's about to talk about. Right. The nostalgia right? of it. Exactly. Now, if you are able to do things like that, get those visual cues. And the other thing, interestingly enough, as much as we want to complain about, I get what, guess whatever his message was or was not, he is charismatic. He does... Um, he invites you to pay attention, right? So, which is really strange because at the end of this movie, and I don't even want to say at the end of this movie, I think by probably an hour in, I was done. I had stopped paying attention. I honestly do not remember a lot of this movie. If you ask me today, Douglas, what was this man talking about? My answer to you is, I don't fucking know. Words. <laughs> what was he talking about douglas i don't know i don't remember like after a while and, and this is this is the other thing right and this may be something very personal to me i don't think it is but i do this when i engage with real people with people in real life and i do this um i i i definitely remember uh because of course this is when a lot of people talk at you for a lot of the time that you are awake. I remember doing this a lot in school, yeah. right? Where there comes a breaking point. There comes a point where you kind of decide, I'm down with whatever topic you're talking about, or, mm -hmm. you know what, I don't care. Yep. Once you get past that point, and the, the position is, I don't care, you become adults in charlie brown to me mm. i no longer listen <laughs> yep. to what you're saying yeah. i no longer yeah. hear it you are just a noise that yep. is battering at me that mm -hmm. i'm trying to ignore yep. um whether consciously or subconsciously and that is where i got to with this movie definitely yeah, you, for at least the last half hour i paid zero attention i'll say you didn't miss, miss much <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it got to the stage and it got very early because I see these are my, my first two points where I started making jokes about the movie. Once you know, and this is in my notes, by the way, I have three notes on this film. Um, and once my only notes are jokes about the movie, mm -hmm. that's a problem. Unless it's a comedy. <laughs> yeah, unless it's a comedy. Exactly. <laughs> Which because definitely is not. My notes, of course, were, and this is an obvious, stupid, and probably insensitive joke about how... Um, are we sure this man wasn't high for the whole movie? Because um, not only is he, you know, spouting philosophical mm -hmm. nonsense, but Damien, I don't know about you, but I noticed he had a sniffling problem. Did you notice? Yeah, man. He, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was high. <laughs> high on, on his okay. own supply. <laughs> Definitely. Too <laughs> <And>, many movies. <laughs> and the one thing that, like... I had to end my notes with, and I, I just couldn't believe it because after, or actually in the middle of this movie, I, I did a little bit of researching and I found out that this is actually a sequel. He, him. Yeah, and there's the, a movie that came before this. There is that made a pervert's guide to cinema. And my question was, why would you want more of this? If you already saw this, why yeah. would you want? 
Um, this movie is, let's just say it's not for me. Yeah, FTM is what this movie is. <laughs> movie. Can we just change FTM to not for me, NFM? Okay. And... <laughs> I, I, sorry, I forgot that he has a small child. I, I, my apologies. <laughs> Can't use naughty language anymore. Have to my, Batman, my Batman doesn't say F words. Yes. Your Batman does not say F words. I cannot um, wait for that movie to come out. And to be trash. For it to be garbage. Yeah. And to see what, like... I mean, Douglas, we already know what's on. going to happen. Those people will not think it's bad. Yeah, it's a <laughs> Star right? Wars thing. You saw what happened right? with Star Wars, right? Yeah, Andrew loved yeah. those movies. <laughs> those, like, the people love that shitty last Star Wars movie so hard. Yeah. Right? Those people who were so upset at the Jedi one, at the Rad Johnson one... They love that last Star Wars movie so much. So these new Zack Snyder people, yeah. they're going to love and defend right. that five-hour cut of yeah. Justice League no matter what. Right, because they asked for it and they got it. And so, of course, they like it by default. Also, Douglas, we just watched The Mandalorian. You and I are on the same page. Half of that season is trash. But yeah. it says Star Wars and Mandalorian. So we are outvoted. <laughs> like it's, just, <laughs> it's just that simple. Like... No matter how right we know we are, it won't matter until they get to a point where the Mandalorian becomes a farce and then they'll be like, oh, that's not my Mandalorian. And then we'll complain. But Mando shot first. So <laughs> I, I was listening to the Bombcast recently and they made a point that I didn't, I didn't think of, but I've seen it happen so many times in other media that... I didn't remember that this was true for video games. There is a company called Bioware that used to make good things and has not made anything good for a decade. Right? And everybody's like, listen, everyone that used to work there is gone. All the people that were visionaries, nobody's there. So they should just, should just stop using the name and just stop this madness. And then last year, the same company that had all of their key people leave, said, you know those old games you like? What if we remake that game and then make a new version of that game? And the internet caught fire. I was just like, oh yeah, the world is over. <laughs> you can just keep selling people <laughs> the same madness. And I was just like, yeah, this happens with movies. See The Matrix 4. But... I didn't remember that that is the same thing that is happening with video games. You can just take the thing people like, divorce from all of the complaining for years, and just go, you remember how you like this? Huh? And they'll, they'll get excited again, which is real dumb. It's real they dumb. continue to sell your nostalgia to you. Yeah, it's... And I continue to buy it on occasion. It's... I won't lie, I'm, I'm a part of it. Right, but Angie, you're not on message board shouting. At least I don't think you are. I don't see you on the internet screaming at people when they don't when they do things you don't like. I hope not. I won't know because the only time I interface with social networking <laughs> is when either you or somebody else is like, "Hey, look at this sports thing," and then I remember that Twitter has a feed. Ah, uh, so dumb. Anywho, The Perverse Guide to Ideology is not a good movie. 
Um, unless, of course... Make a third one, the Pervert's Guide to the Galaxy. That's too good a joke for them not to do that. Uh, if you are in college and you're smoking a lot of weed and it's your second year and you think your mind has been expanded, I have a movie for you. <laughs> for everybody else. Don't watch this. Uh-huh. Just go listen to Scorsese talk about movies for yeah, 20 Yeah, don't watch hours. that title. <laughs> so, uh, you brought, like, here's, here's the thing. I, I'm the opposite of Douglas when it comes to documentaries. I watch a lot of documentaries. I, one of my favorite documentarians is Ken Burns. Ken Burns makes 400-hour documentaries. I watch them, I like them, but I don't talk about them because trying to summarize, I think his last one was on Vietnam. I think the total runtime is 18 hours. Summarizing 18 hours of documentary into, hey guys, watch this documentary. It's not, <laughs> like, that doesn't help anybody. You, I have to ask a lot of questions. Do you have 18 hours? <laughs> Do you want to find out about a war but only like the last three and a half out of the 18 hours. So yeah, you went there for that, but it's not really about, is that, does that seem appealing to you? And the answer to all those questions is no. <laughs> so who do I? But uh, like seeing these type of documentaries and it's been happening more and more, like especially Netflix. Netflix has some really awful documentaries on that service. Yeah. So HBO Go. drugs. That's, that's particular. HBO Go has some that I think I need to start watching because when I see the trailers for the ones that they do, I always get excited but don't end up watching them because they're like always in four parts or some madness. Um, but I think I should do that because I like finding out things um, that basically don't have anything to do. There's no, uh, there's no way I would interact with this kind of information. Like, I'm not going to sit down and read the books or any of that. So, um, documentaries like Cliff Notes for people that did real work. Uh, but Quick question, Damien. Which one's better, um, Ken Burns or Frederick Wiseman? Ken Burns. Cool. But for Ken Burns has a way that... Like, if you see a Ken Burns documentary, uh, he takes so much time that at some point you have to like you're either absorbed with it or you're just like i don't have time <laughs> for any of this and i'm one of the people who are just like yeah man i'll, I'll sit here and watch this for 400 hours i don't have anything better to, to do um like but like how, how i don't know i don't know how to recommend any ken burns documentary I don't, like the first question is, do you like Ken Burns documentaries? If the answer is yes, you've seen the documentary that I'm going to recommend to you. If the answer is no, then you're never going to see it. <laughs> I can't send you, like there's a PBS um, website that I go to from time to time to rewatch them. And every time I go on there, I'm just like, I'd love to see a counter. Just to see how many people come to this part of the website. <laughs> Damien, do you remember when internet actually had counters of course. counters were yeah. like the backbone of the internet hey look i have five people at my website yep. today like yep damn. 
the 90s. Uh, listen, I, I ran Black Goku for a while. Web <laughs> 1.0 is amazing, and I can't wait for it to have a resurgence like Pixel Art does in games. Yeah, how about no? <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving speaking, right along. Yeah, speaking of terrible movies that took too long. Um, this week we're going to be starting our marathon of Ja Janke and his films, and we're going to be starting out with his 2006 um, film Still Life. So yeah, still life. Um, the film is about a a man trying to find his 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 child and his wife, um, and it's set in the backdrop of the building of the Three Gorges Dam in China. China. Um, and the subsequent flooding out of certain territories that used to be areas but are no longer. Um, I will, I'd be interested for Douglas to kick this one off to discuss Still Life. Sure. So, Still Life. Um, this movie is an interesting one. Uh, let's start off by saying it is not so hot. But there are definitely some good things about it. Um, but... Let's start off with this point. And this was the first thing that I wrote in my notes on this movie. And the truth is, I don't understand movies like this, right? Um, I'm supposed to pretend like these people are emotional when in actual fact, they look like robots to me. So for a long... Uh, uh, all right. First of all, let's start and talk about what this movie is about. And let me see if I can even remember it. I watched this movie a, a little a little while back now, um, but it's kind of in three parts, and at the end of the day, it's it surrounds, uh, let's say, the search for someone, right? Because it's actually I think two separate, like, sets of people searching for two separate people, right? So it starts off with this fellow searching for uh, his. Uh, wife or ex-wife mm -hmm. and their their child and that gets its own storyline its own through line for about a third of the movie then it flips to this lady searching for her husband and that gets its own through line for about a third of the movie and then there's an ending where it switches back i think it's it's kind of all over the place right um and funnily enough, I know that this is how at least one other of his movies are. And I wonder if it's, if, if it's really just a general theme. Um, because I watched a piece of, I can't remember the name of it, but another one of this fellow's movies with Andrew, where um, that definitely, that motif is, was huge. Where it was a, a number of stories. A touch of sin. Yeah, it was a touch of sin. Thank you. Um, so, the, but the, com the, the, the through line, the, the thread that connects everything, um, I think, is really the place um, and the place that they are in and also the their quest, shall we put it. Because 
the two stories never really physically touch, right? The characters in each story is never really meet. Um, and so it's, it's kind of just like a, a, an exploration of, of these things. And so especially in that first story and for quite some time in that story, um, the, the man that is looking for his wife and his child, he, if you want to try as a person, right, and put yourself in his shoes, and we don't get a lot of backstory, but just take the raw information with which we have been given. We have been told he is on a quest. We have been told his holy grail is his wife and his child. And he is finding people that seem to know information, and he says words, right? He says words that make you think that he actually cares, that make you think that he is actually, uh, let's use the word, desperate to find these people. But he says them with literally no emotion. And that pisses me off because I've seen it all too many times. And I wonder if it's a cultural thing because I do also notice that it is something that I tend to pick up in movies that are not Western and in English and are kind of like uh, uh, on a, in a whole nother um, cultural setting. So I wonder if I am just the asshole who is putting my... my um, uh, Western sensibilities. Exactly. My sensibilities on, onto them. And they're, they're actually showing deep emotions that I am not getting. <laughs> but it just, it really does hurt me to like... It's watch... in the wiggle of the nose, Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> to watch people. Like, and you know, you expect them to be... Not necessarily... Listen, you don't need to kick over every chair and ball every eye water. Uh, but... You need to show me that you're a human being, please. Right? Now, with that said, I do think that this movie was watchable. Right? I don't want to say good, but it was watchable. I did not... So, we spoke about perverts earlier. When, when I watched The Pervert, I had a hard time getting to the end. I actually stopped it multiple times. Um, and instead of watching that movie, I spent most of my time watching Questlove do DJ sets, and then I went back to watch The Pervert, and it was a difficult time for me. This I'm, movie... I mean, if I you still... do that with any Questlove thing, I think you're cheating. <laughs> I think if you do that with any movie, uh, you're going to find it difficult to come back to the movie. Fair enough. But... With this movie, I didn't feel, I didn't ever feel like I definitely wanted to like pause, you know? I could watch it the whole way through. It was engaging to a certain degree, right? There were just inherent problems with it. Um, and speaking of inherent problems, um, am I the only person that saw a spaceship in this movie? There is definitely a spaceship me? in the movie. <laughs> There are Why? two uses of CG in yes. this movie, yes. and, and both, both of them I wanted to punch the movie. I'm not going to lie. When that happened, I rewound the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so the first time was 
kind of way in the background. So you kind of said to yourself, did I just see that? And I actually like Andrew rewound the movie and I was like, oh shit, I did see that. And I remember the second time, I actually wondered to myself because you were looking out a window and the it was some weirdly built, weirdly architected. I know that's not a word, but that's what I'm going to call it. A weirdly architected building, which looked really cool, right? Um, and you'd seen it out the window before and it looked normal. This particular scene, the window looked like it was painted on. And I remember thinking, why, why does this look like it's some sort of blue screen from the 50s? And then about a minute later, you figured out why, because the building lifted off and became a spaceship. I don't understand what that symbolism meant. And I did not research it because fuck this movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, Andrew said we're not to use that anymore. <laughs> it's the not for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, NFL. But, but yeah, this, this movie, like, I would say it's, I don't want to call it average. Maybe it's kind of average because, as I say, um, you can kind of watch it and go along and um, not feel like you're, you're clawing your eyes out. And that's always a positive. Uh, but a couple of things I want to just, just talk about. Um, I want to, first of all, refer to this movie by its correct and full title, mm -hmm. which is Still Life featuring Chow Young-Fat. Um, no. Oh, this... I just want to make a quick note. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love that movie they're referencing. <laughs> Which one is that again? Um, a better tomorrow. Okay, I don't know if I've seen that one. I've seen that scene, obviously the the um the cigarette lighting with lighting money. with the yeah. with the with the money on fire. <laughs> yeah. They made a sequel to it. I've never seen the sequel. Oh, okay, but. Weirdly enough, I felt like Chow Yun-Fat's influence on this movie was far-reaching because you had one character, uh, probably my favorite character, this wannabe gangster friend of the first fellow who is looking for his wife um, that wants to be Chow Yun-Fat and he wants to do everything like Chow Yun-Fat he asked this guy to light his cigarette just like how Chow Yun-Fat lights his cigarette. Um, he wears the same sort of clothes. He acts like he is a gangster when he's not. He's just, you know, on the beat-up crew, which is nowhere. Um, but, yeah. I, the <laughs> they kind of have this linkage to both of the stories. In the same way that the um, Richard Curtis movie um, with Hugh Grant, um, the Christmas one, has uh, Mr. Bean, Ron Atkinson. And he was supposed to be, apparently the, the story goes, he was supposed to be like a serious super link between all of the storylines in that movie. And then he kind of got whittled, his role got whittled down. And so he was in each story, but he wasn't as prominent as he would have been i feel like they tried to do that in this movie with the singer boy that's what i call him the singer boy um <laughs> there is a boy in this movie <laughs> what sings in multiple scenes he actually sings quite well 
Um, and I think the first time you meet him is very jarring because he is wearing just his underwear and smoking a cigarette. And oh, by the way, did I say that he's about five years old? I mean, that's that's what I did growing up. <laughs> you seem confused. Yeah. And you see him in the first story. You see him in the second story when the lady is on a boat somewhere. Like, I can't remember if she's just coming in or if it was in the middle of her search. I actually prefer the second story with the lady. I feel like there were emotions there. And also, it, it felt more like a... a, a, a a proper search, right? I guess maybe because the first guy kind of lacked emotion, it didn't feel like he was really looking for anything. He would go to like the brother and say, I want to see my wife. And the brother's like, I don't know where she is. And he's like, okay, cool. Um, but the wife in the second movie, she actually, you know, she she got his friend or, or, or his um, her husband's friend to help her find him. And they like went all over the place and she, you could see she got sad when she went somewhere she thought he was going to be and he wasn't. And then there's, there's, there's an actual story there, it felt like. And probably that's what saved this movie for me, that middle piece where I actually got a story. <laughs> um, but yeah, this movie, not so hot. And one last joke. Um, this woman's la husband's lady friend, Madame Ding Yaling, um, who really came up with that? Was Chuck Berry in some way, shape, or form yep. associated with my, the writing of this movie? Because my what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but those are my uh, nonsensical rantings on Still Life featuring Chow Yun Fat. Um, I don't know what to say about this movie. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, earlier, Damien, when Douglas was talking about the pervert's guide to ideology, yeah. and he was talking about that um, Charlie Brown voice, yeah. like that, that's what happened to me with this movie. Yeah, that sounds right. Like, and, and the worst part is that I, I agree with Douglas. Like, there, actually, I disagree with him. There's, <laughs> there, <laughs> I thought about it for a moment. I'm like, oh, wait, no, I disagree. <laughs> Wait, Douglas, you said? No, never mind. I was wrong. <laughs> um, like, I felt like with this movie, and I mean, I know I know that of this filmmaker, so I know that this is kind of what, what I was going into as we as we kick this off. Um he is he's one of these filmmakers who is very, let's say, closely tapped as to what is going on in his community, in his country. Um, so like as this movie was going on, I felt myself going down a Wikipedia path, like reading up on the Three Gorges Dam and what actually happened in these communities. Because he bases all of his stories off of um things that are happening in the country, in these far-reaching communities in China. Um, that I feel let's say even if I were paying attention to the news as much as say a Damian does, it doesn't quite get to the top stories in the west right um and to be quite honest i found sorry did i did i upset Damon? <laughs> i found i found reading those stories actually fascinating like going down that wikipedia 
rabbit hole as to what's going on with this whole thing and how it contextualizes what um Ja is trying to make with this with this movie. Ja rule, baby. Where is Ja? I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought of that. Um, I think I think earlier there was some story that happened, and then Ja Rule was giving his comments, and somebody somebody like put that clip next to it, <laughs> <laughs> which I found hilarious. I can't remember what the story was originally about that they had asked Ja Rule what his thoughts were. Yeah, why he about robbed all those people at Fire Fist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I thought, but I thought it was just too perfect. Anyways. Um, yeah, this movie just wasn't for me. I I feel this movie for me felt almost like the way you guys responded to um what was that movie? I think it was called Straw Dogs, the Thai the Taiwanese film I had got us to watch like years ago that you guys refer to oh, only what? as only as um slide the slideshow oh, yeah. movie, right? Oh, so it wasn't just oh, me. Cool, yeah, cool. Because I was, I was worried that we were going to do this entire thing and no one was going to bring up the fact that this movie is a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> is it? I didn't see it that way. <laughs> Just long um, swooping shots of, la- of people. He's <laughs> like, what is happening in this movie? And don't worry, the shots are beautiful, especially when he gets into hey. some of those landscapes. Hey. Like, oh. Landscapes. <laughs> in- incredible. Yeah. Just just panning shots of men working in decrepit, dilapidated buildings. Mwah. Here's the problem, though. It's not a movie. <laughs> like, like, the thing about it... Spaceship launch, like, seriously, come on. Yeah. Like, the, th- the thing about it, Damien, is that under the context of him making a film in response to this thing happening in the community, those landscapes, like, I feel almost robbed of a potential great documentary in which he actually goes into all of these things with real people, right? And showing me all of what's going on um, in um, the this this wayward town, this small community that's flooded out because of this dam, right? Um, but yeah, <laughs> this movie. Yeah. So, uh, I went to this movie's Wikipedia page because I just could not help myself. I had to know because we're going to be watching more of his films and so I just need I needed to know what people thought of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I had to find out. (laughs) And on the Wikipedia page, there's a section called Style. And in the Style section, it says, and I'm not making this up, Jai's camera work in still life is constantly on the move, panning across men and vistas. And that is when I stopped reading the Wikipedia page. I mean, Damon, Damon, I, I refuse to let you. I pulled up the Wikipedia page and I'm yes. looking at it right now. I need, we need to read the second sentence, <laughs> right? After that, it goes on further to say, indeed, low pads of minute landscapes. Oh my God. Oh my God. It is the, this... This section gave me so much joy that for a second I forgot that I didn't like this movie because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> but people love this movie. 
not kind of love. Like, this is one of the benchmark films. It won every award. At every it festival. won the Golden Lion that year. And right? when I read that, I was, I was like, if Andrew comes on here and thinks he's going to get away with showing me no, a no, slideshow no. instead. No, first, first, of all, first of all, I yeah. want this to be made perfectly clear. Yeah, this is Douglas's marathon. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. Uh, hey, Douglas, look, there's a truck that Andrew's heard you on. I really had myself a time trying to understand what I was watching this entire you guys have brought up all of the things uh the the acting is poor if that is how people from mainland China act then I am here to tell them that this ain't it they need to they need if that is how they behave on a day-to-day basis they need to do something to prop themselves up because it's a movie. Uh, and I didn't like it. I didn't like any other acting. Uh, it is beautifully directed, as it says here in the style section. Here's the thing, though. Boy, boy, I don't want the to say style. After one hour of watching a man pan across landscapes, I'm just like, I don't, I don't care what happens anymore. Um, there's a murder in this film at some point that they hand wave away. And I was just like, all right, fine. But where there's a yin, there's a yang. There's a song called Any Empty Wine Bottles for Sale. And there's a half-naked man on a stage for no reason singing this song. And I had to hear the song again. And I went to YouTube and I was, just like with this movie, disappointed. <laughs> uh this movie is long and boring. Uh, the only thing this movie is missing for being the perfect film critic movie that humans shouldn't watch is this movie should have been in black and white and then we'd have been done. You'd have hit every single benchmark. Foreign film, well-directed, black and white, nonsensical, perfect. You give this movie every award you can find. <laughs> and, but... Listen, if for the people who watch this movie and gleam things that are beyond my grasp, uh, Andrew, in our earlier film, said that he isn't smart enough to be dumb enough to understand that movie. I am saying that about this. I am clearly not smart enough to be dumb enough to absorb an hour and 40 minutes of what they're trying to tell me. I was very familiar with the situation with this dam. The government said they need to they need water into their mega cities. The water has to come from somewhere. They have to build this dam. It will also help with power generation. And the Chinese government do what they always do. They ignore everybody else that live on the land. So like they don't get to have rights. They just decide we're doing this and to hell with everybody. Which I mean, we say it about the Chinese government because they're doing it now. All governments kind of do this. But we're not going to talk about that. But this movie is not good. Uh, 
I don't even think this movie is that interesting. The Douglas talks about the middle part uh, because Douglas likes the resolution to the middle part. <laughs> where, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not because he actually enjoys... <laughs> They're just so play. They're just so mean spirited. <laughs> that resolution is Douglas is just like, yeah, more of this, please. And then the movie went, no, <laughs> no, you're not getting any more. <laughs> we did this so that you'd think something else is going to happen. Because after you say that, you're just like, maybe they'll ramp this up for the third and final act. They're just going to have people walking with knives, stabbing each other. And being as mean as possible. But no. This movie is nothing if not earnest. And it is nothing if not almost unwatched. If it weren't for how good the pictures look, this movie would be unbearable. <laughs> I don't find anything likable about this movie. You guys tried your best to, you know, not pour gasoline and light this movie on fire. But I'm here to tell you that this movie is on fire. <laughs> My only solace is that everyone thinks that this is the best one, which means there's a chance, what? small, small chance that his bad movies, I will uh, like. <laughs> his, I like that. I like that logic. Yeah. I like that logic. Because yeah. <laughs> I think of it the other way around. Where I'm, Because, all right, I, I did some digging because the, Douglas mentions the movie I have seen, A Touch of Sin which mm-hmm. I do remember liking at the time. I've not watched it since Douglas and I, Douglas saw like five minutes of it. And, <laughs> and promptly I, went to sleep. <laughs> promptly went to sleep. I, I remember liking that movie and there's some, I did some digging into interviews of like what he was thinking at the time where he makes movies like this, like Still Life, where there are about things going on in his community and in his country. And he makes them in these, He's made films that are banned in China, not for like explicit content, but for yeah, content but that China, the government, the doesn't want released. Yeah. Right? <laughs> of course. Um, but then he started to make movies like A Touch of Sin um, because one day he, someone said to him, you can tell those stories, but with violence. And he was like, all right. And he made a movie with violence. Now, I'm not saying he made The Raid, right? He definitely didn't. Um, but he made a movie that had like people being murdered in it um and it will i remember finding it very fascinating i actually um got a copy of the movie because i'm like if i'm going through his movies i'm watching the one that i know i thought i like yeah. <laughs> yeah, i remember i remember that there was gunplay in the section that i was watching and um, i remember also while i was watching this first movie thinking that the the first main character the guy that's looking for his wife reminds me of and might even be i didn't actually look it up the fella that's in a touch of sin that's doing the gunplay. I'm now looking this up because I think you're wrong. <laughs> Am I wrong? I'm probably wrong. I mean, I've been wrong before. And also, I watched a movie a thousand years ago. Oh, wait, no. He, the guy's in A Touch uh-huh. of Sin. Uh-huh. All in your face! <laughs> and... Douglas here on video, you can give him the, <laughs> the D-Generation X socket. <laughs> nope. It's not. He's, he's, he's a different person in that movie. Oh, yeah? Right? Okay. Um, yep. Anyways, moving along. Yeah. Um, we are going to be watching more of this man's movies. And 
we're going to find out who has the worst marathon <laughs> on this podcast <laughs> by the end of this. Uh, but yeah, moving right along to what we've been watching. Uh-huh. Um, you want us to get the expanse talk out the way from now? No, I think what I do is I'll I'll just knock out my stuff and then you guys can go on about the expanse for like five hours. Okay, cool. right? Because I have nothing to say about the expanse. I've not seen it yet. You should change that. Like um, I know you're watching other TV shows, but like you should, <laughs> you really like I, Andrew Robinson. Oh. I defy you to not like this TV show. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, your feelings so okay um i don't really have that many things or that many great things to talk about but let me just go through what i have watched that are new because i've honestly like the last few weeks i've really just been re-watching a ton of things um because it's comfortable i re-watched the mummy movies at least the first two i didn't i didn't get the get the gumption to watch the third one yet um i re-watched seven psychopaths and that's still fun um but talking about the new stuff that i've been watching um Number one, I watched Tiger King. Um, I know I didn't watch a Netflix documentary. I watched the documentary on HBO called Tiger about Tiger Woods. (laughs) (laughs) Because HBO would not allow Netflix to have the only Tiger King on streaming. Um, Is it weird that... No, it's called ah, Tiger. Come on, Tiger. Tiger. <laughs> oh, I, I so wanted oh. them to call it Tiger King. Like when I thought uh, about that joke, I'm like, that joke works so good. Yeah, that, that was a good joke, Andrew. I, I really appreciate <laughs> it. I kind of like, no, I think he's joking, but I have to know. <laughs> so no, the documentary is called Tiger. Yeah. Um, and, and as you say, Damien, they put it in multiple parts. There are two parts to it. So it's like a four-hour doc. Um, it's not that great. Like, I'm sure you know 90% of what's in it already. Um, it's the sports and his personal life and a lot of the... It's it's a very tabloidy documentary, to be honest. I mean, right? the last dance. You're describing the last dance. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, difference, the difference is that with the last dance, you had Jordan talking himself. Ah. Like, this one, you don't... Like, there, no it's ob- there's no tiger. There's, Ooh. like, outside of, like, archive footage. Yeah. Um, like it's very obvious that they've paid friends and coworkers who are no longer in his good graces. Trash people. Um, to like talk trash on him. Like this movie is the tabloid of all tabloid documentaries. Um, and while I I watched this with with my wife, and she apparently didn't know a lot of things about Tiger. Um, so she was there being like, "Oh my goodness!" Like he he his father was a lunatic. Um, and all of these things, which was fun for me to watch her reacting to all of these things. Um, but the documentary ain't that great. Um, whatever. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is the film. I think it's from 2016 called Captain Fantastic. Um, yes, 2016. Um, directed by one Mr. Matt Ross, who is best known for his, for his work as being Gavin Belson in... Silicon Valley, the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is about a man with a family who raises his family out in the woods, out in the wilderness, um, played by Viggo Mortensen, and his wife dies. And they, he then takes his entire family off to go and see the funeral because apparently his wife comes from a wealthy family and they are not happy with what is going on. 
and so they are basically the outcasts coming into this wealthy world and the children are all let's say well-educated feral children like he's he's done well to educate them but they're still children of the woods right (laughs) um and it's like it's a fun movie like it's there is ridiculousness abound, as you can see, the clash of ideologies, um, as one Mr. Savick would talk about. Um, yes, I'll bring him back into the conversation. Um, there's constant references to Noam Chomsky, which is hilarious. Um, and the movie is, is a breeze of a movie. Like, and it reminds me that I miss Viggo Mortensen in movies. I know he has a movie that's like going through like the, the awards procession right now that he directed, I think, you and he's starring in. I have it able to rent on Google Play. Yeah, I can rent it too. Um, and I, it just reminded me. I'm like, you know, I miss Viggo Mortensen when he used to be in a bunch of movies. Um, and this movie was good for that. Um, I wouldn't call it like top tier, but it was a good movie, right? Um, and now getting into the more current movies that I did not really like, but people are talking about a lot. Um, One Night in Miami. Ah, um, that's directed, an obvious thing. <laughs> directed by Regina King. Um, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, it's a story... Um, it's, it's, it's a fake story, um, (laughs) (laughs) fake story, um, about one night in Miami in which Muhammad Ali, Sam Cooke, oh, why have I forgotten his name now? (laughs) As I'm like, as I'm like (laughs) reading this out, um, uh, because he's my favorite part of this movie, um, Jim Brown Uh and Malcolm X. By Jim Brown... You mean James the football Brown? player? No, the oh, football the player, player, Jim Brown. Um, I don't think anyone's ever made that mistake, Douglas. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I'll get together uh, after a fight that Muhammad Ali has won. Um, at the time, still being called Cassius Clay. Um, get together one night in a hotel room in Miami to celebrate his win. And it's literally just them in a room. In the hotel, really. like They move out of the room and do other things. Um, just having conversations. Um, <laughs> so it's before sunset with athletes, is what you're well, saying. they're musicians as well. Sam Cooke okay. and Malcolm X. I don't think you'd call him an athlete. What would he be an athlete of Douglas Malcolm X? Would he be a basketball Words. player? He's a word, <laughs> word athlon. Douglas is just like not even trying. <laughs> nope, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. So to this joke, <laughs> anything I say, Andrew, is going to be uh... hilarious. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> not um, for the podcast. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the fact that he slept with more women than everybody that you know? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. He's a man um, of much bigger right here. <laughs> this movie is one of those movies that it's it's a it's it's one of those movies where it's a mo- it's a moments movie. Like your moments are like in it. Like uh, Jim Brown is my favorite out of the lot of them. Like um it is a a movie in which you you know these characters and oddly enough like it feels very much and this could be ignorant speaking it feels very much like people are playing the character of these personas that we know from like popular culture as opposed to any other iteration like based on document of these people um 
like there there are ways in which you see um Cassius Clay played by Ellie Gore that you that you watch him and you're like, oh, that's the Will Smith character playing up right there. Right. There are way that you see Kingsley play Malcolm X that you're like, oh, that's Denzel's Malcolm X right there. Right. And all of these things. And that might just be why, like, I like Jim Brown the most in this movie, because he's probably even though he actually was in movies um, in the at the time, like maybe I just don't know enough about those movies that I don't see it as a pop culture um, stack on like a, a pop culture iteration. Um, but for the most part, this movie is just not really my bag. Like it is, it's good acting and not really much more for me. Like it's everything else about it is either fun, lighthearted moments where they're just actually having random conversations like real people would. And then it switches completely to heavy, um, topics of the moment of the, of the um, civil rights movement, of the struggle of people of color at the time, and how these people would have talked to each other about it. And you're just kind of like, uh, I don't really want this part of the movie. And that's, that's, just, that's just me. Right? Um, so yeah, One Night in Miami. Um, the last movie I want to talk about is another film of the moment on Amazon that you can watch. Um, the documentary by the name of Time. Has anyone else heard of this movie? Damien? Uh, no. Okay. Um, is it about Chocula? <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be so much better if it was about Count Chocula. Um, Time is a documentary by one Mr. Garrett Bradley, um, which follows the story of Fox Rich. Um, a, a black woman who um, her family is completely set us completely broken apart as her husband is in prison for 20 years. And the documentary follows the time of this 20 years um, through footage that I'm assuming um, Fox Rich recorded herself at the time, whether she's talking directly into like whatever camera she has at the moment. Um, about what's going on with her life and her children. Um, and with the fact that her husband is in jail. I do um, know about this movie, now that you describe it. Yes, yeah. it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there are many things about this documentary that I found fascinating, if only because sometimes, and I know this isn't the movie for Douglas, so Douglas, you can lock off your ears and just ignore it. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, the, sometimes I just enjoy watching, um, and maybe in 2020, sorry, tw we're in 2021. In 2021, um, in the age of technology that we are in, we should be inundated and bored with this concept. But the concept of self-documenting, and maybe it is the concept of self-documenting and then looking back at that self-document, not necessarily the in-the-moment self-documenting that you'll see every day on social media or whatever with everyone who has a camera, um, but just the idea that you self-document for 20 years and then you look back and then you try and cut this together into a cohesive narrative as to what it is. I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Um, but my problem with this movie inherently is that I feel this movie is misguided 
in the story they're telling, or at least for me, right? So as I mentioned, it's the 20-year stint of the father in prison. And I'm going to spoil a little bit about this movie. So if you're if you're if you're really looking forward to this one and you don't want to know what's going on, I'm going to t- tell some things about this movie. Um, it's eventually revealed, and by eventually, I mean like around the 30-ish minute mark in a less than 90-minute movie. Um, it's eventually revealed that um, the father is in prison for a bank robbery, right? Um, and more important, and and Fox Rich, the subject of this film that you spend so much time with, she was a part of this bank robbery and also went to jail herself, right? And there's a part of me watching this movie where I see that and I go like, all right, I don't get it anymore. Like they did... The th- like they're not it's not a debate as to like he was falsely accused right. it's not a debate as to they didn't do this like he did the thing mm-hmm. no if this like and and there was a part of this movie where i feel like maybe the context of it just wasn't correctly or the context of it didn't really match what they wanted to put forward which was not that he didn't do it but that the the punishment didn't match that the sentencing because he was sentenced for 60 years which is ridiculous yes right um that the sentencing itself was um larger than it ever should have been for racial reasons right Mm -hmm. but that is not part of the conversation of this movie in any point literally the whole of this movie is them being like we, we have been apart for 20 years um and this is wrong. And I want my husband back. And I'm, it's really hard. Like, I, I, like, when that moment comes up, I'm like, oh, what am I to do with this, though? Like, I don't know how... I, like, my... It just... It, like, I felt like my, my connection, my empathy kind of just, like, walked away at that point. And I don't know how better to put it. Yeah, it sounds like you reacted to this the same way I reacted to what was that movie? Something American Animals or something like that, where they they have these. Um, it's like a quasi documentary, yeah. quasi movie about these mm-hmm. white children that like kidnap people, and they're like, "Oh no, we're so it's so bad. What happened to us? We had to go to prison for it." Boo hoo hoo, and I'm like, "Yeah, fuck off." <laughs> um, but yeah, that's time. Um, it's really short, so it it spares your time. <laughs> but yeah, um, I would not recommend. Um, watching a lady be upset that her husband has been in prison for twenty years, and I mean that is you're a heartless bastard. <laughs> and I mean the the want the wanting to be like I get that part, like it makes sense. Mm-hmm. That you are you are wanting for your partner, mm-hmm. um, and uh, like maybe if they just completely brushed over it, or if they if 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 they were upfront, like at the beginning, the setup of this movie to be like this is the pretext, but like just like when they roll by, they're like you're like you spend so much time with this movie already, like a third of this movie. Um, making assumptions as to why this family is in this way, 
right? They don't even you don't even know that she was a part of this or went to jail at any point. Right. Um, when this information comes to you, you spend like you spend like a thirty to thirty-five minutes where you're just like, oh, this is terrible. Like, why are they apart? Um, I can see you need you needed this man in your life who you love. Um, and then when that comes up, I'm just like, well. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, having I haven't seen the movie, obviously, but <laughs> I think I understand why they did that. They wanted you to empathize with the people up front because there's a lot of we do this in this society. If someone does something, we think it is okay to throw them in a cage for the rest of their lives. And it varies because the world is the world based on your skin color and all sort of other factors, whether judges have eaten or haven't eaten, whether ju- like all sort of matters. Yeah. But I think what they try to, I think what they're trying to get across is how earnestly this woman yearns to have her husband back. And so by the time they get to where they're like, hey, this is why they're apart. You should at least look at it and go, that's madness. You can't have this man locked up for 20, 50, 100 years because we've had lots of Wall Street people steal way more money than this man could ever imagine and don't spend a day in prison. So... I think that is what they're trying to lean on. Um, and if, because you're, if they came at the front and they're like, these two thieves stole some money, now she's sad. You'd have looked at this movie and gone, I need to watch the rest of this. <laughs> no, do you hear any of this? <laughs> hey, hey, how about don't steal? Oh, hey, I've lived my whole life and not run into a bank and taken any money. So if you're sorry for you looking, I can't help you. <laughs> and I think that's what they were trying to avoid. It. Um, I don't know. Maybe. They didn't hide it though. So that's... Uh, also, you're saying that the rest of this movie wasn't great regardless. No. So I, I don't know. Um, but it is, it's an interesting take at least um, for, the, for people try to establish that human connection first and then like go hey these people weren't perfect and so you know we should give them you know they should you we should still be able to empathize with people even if we don't agree with some of their actions um and like for a time i used to uh especially cases of addiction i don't have a lot of addiction things in my family so there's drugs or sex or all, all the other stuff that they say whenever those cases come up and people are talking as if recovering from this thing is so brave and such a big act i used to look at them i used to look down on these people i'm not going to pretend that i didn't and go i've lived my whole life and not done any of these things but i don't get a pat on the back until i tear my whole life apart gambling on garbage and then come back and like hey i'm not trash anymore but i've seen things enough things after that where a lot of these people and a lot of these addictions stem from different things they don't they don't just wake up and are like hey drugs (laughs) 
a lot of people get bad prescriptions and a lot of people come from broken homes and a lot of people do what they've always seen. And so over time, as I've gotten older, I've softened my position. And I think that's what this movie is trying to do with you, Andrew. But you hate criminals because you think you're Batman. <laughs> you think all of them should go to prison. <laughs> so you hate them. And again, you're a I terrible mean, person. All right. Anyways, um, last thing I'll talk about, because I have to leave with some fun. Um, I'll be watching more anime. Yeah. Um, I started a show which I'm like four episodes into now, and I am madly in love with it. This is called Doro Hidoro. It's on Netflix. Um, it's directed Doro He Doro D O R O He D O R O. Okay. Um, directed by Yuri <laughs> Yuchiro Hayashi, the guy who brought us Kakiguri and did some episodes on Attack on Titan. Um, this show is like everything I would have wanted in an anime. It is ridiculous. It is violent. It is just fun action ridiculousness. It is about a... It's, it's in a world, right? Where <laughs> In a world. Um, there's this guy who has a lizard head. Yes. Uh, and there are sorcerers. There are like magic people who come down to this like ghetto oh no i can hear your audio <laughs> yes i've muted this immediately um comes down to like this ghetto community where they practice their magic and by practice they like transform regular people into like weird creatures um and so this guy with a lizard head he was apparently a person and he believes a magic person did this to him he has no memory of it so he and his chef friend lady go around attacking these magic people when they come down to his ghetto and trying to figure out who was the person that did this to him and it is just action ridiculousness there is so much blood and it is just like there's some cg animation in here but it's weird because i actually really like the animation in this show it is fascinatingly amazing and i'm four episodes in and i'm loving it wow well so damien um yes. you want to kick off our discussion on how much we hate the expanse yes um andrew's right he is always been right the expert did he just walk away Look, sir, come back here. <laughs> How I had to listen to your anime nonsense. How dare you? No, remember, we can see. I, we can see I, when you walk away from us. Oh, hi. How's it going? <laughs> trash. <laughs> trash. Uh, Douglas. Damien. I... I don't know how they keep doing this. <laughs> how is this show getting better? We're five seasons in. Mm -hmm. How are they doing this? Understand that there's books and the guy that wrote the book is also on the show. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. He's, he's like one of the producers, our director. Who, who cares? Yeah. Uh, and Andrew, the show 
the show did the thing that Game of Thrones did, where they're like, this is the, the key driving factor. But for this season, and only this season, we're splitting everyone apart and telling a contained story to give you, you know, a greater sense of who these characters are. And the pace of the expanse shouldn't allow for that because it's not a show that wastes time. There are big things happening and there's things that lead to other things. And in every season, like even if you look at the time span that you're dealing with, it covers such a lot of time that normally... Like when they when the season started and everyone was off doing their own thing, I was just like, the thing that works in this show is that you like the crew and you like them playing off each other and you like the hierarchy and you like like these people being together is what helps this helps to ground the show from not just being Star Trekky lunacy. And it is clear that the show, uh, the showrunners are just like, or I don't know if this is what it is in the books. At some point, they're just like, let me show you how good we are at doing this. <laughs> let me just prove to you that we are better than everything else. And they sent everybody off in all different directions and then still moved the central story along. Unlike Game of Thrones, where you have to wait for everyone to come back for this actual plot of Game of Thrones to happen, they're just like, no, 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 the world isn't on pause because you people aren't together. We're here doing things. And so it starts off and Naomi, who is, um, she's basically the engineer. She finds out that her, she finds the location of her son. And so she leaves the crew to go, find her son to try and explain to him why she left early in his life and try to get back some kind of connection with him. Holden is left on the station because everyone else leaves. Amos goes to Earth because someone that was close to him died and he went to attend a funeral or memorial or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> Douglas is an idiot. And so everyone is sent away. And what they do is reinforce the people that they are in each episode and also lean on the fact that when these people aren't together, they don't function how we normally see them function. And so that was always... Um, interesting <laughs> I was always it was because there's been four seasons and they hint at a lot of backstory um, this was a way to do something that I think more shows need to do when you're filling in a backstory you also need to move the actual story forward. So there's no skips into, there's no 
jumps back into the past to see these people as different people and why they did what they did. None of that happens. You don't get any flashbacks, nothing like that. They're just around people that give you more context into who these people were and why they are the way they were when you met them in the first season. And it it's a clear juxtaposition between where they are now and who they were then. And even the characters they come in contact with are confused because the people they know wouldn't behave in certain ways. And you see the growth of all these characters. But all of that happens while some crazy space pirate is using um, stealth tech to throw comets at Earth. And you're just like, all right, this is the best. <laughs> like, the sentence I just said, if you've seen Star Wars or Star Trek, it means you have to watch this show. You've never heard of anything like this in any of those shows, right? And it worked. The whole plan didn't go off without a hitch, but it worked. And there's just enough science to lure you in and just enough lunacy to keep you happy. And then at the... F- at the... F- at the f- end of the show it this it does something that it didn't do any other time except the first season there's an actual cliffhanger at the end of the series normally they wrap up everything and you're like what what's going to happen next season this time you know with a hundred percent certainty what is going to kick off the next season and i want it like if Jeff Bezos, I'm I'm not if Jeff Bezos said Damien, enter a number that you are willing to pay, and I will give you the next season early. And the number starts at a thousand dollars. I'd think about it. <laughs> of course. I mean, Damien, listen, uh, there's not a lot that I can say about this show that you haven't already said. We both adore this show. It's the best um, show on TV. It's, it's the best show on TV. And the only thing I'll say, just to show how good this television show is, is that the second that Jeff Bezos found out that they didn't have any more, that they stopped making the show, he resigned. He's just like, I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm out, here. bitches. Yeah. I cannot you work. I cannot work at a He's company. Like my benefit of being... Amazon yeah. is now gone. The only benefit I care about it's is like, gone. It's just like I I saved this show myself. <laughs> I ordered three seasons. I thought I was going to get three seasons. I gave you enough time with this pandemic and foolishness. And this is how you do me. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> like I have to tell you, there are few shows, very few television shows that I either own or want to own. And this is one of them that, if I can get it, I haven't searched yet. But I definitely want to own this show in the best definition possible. The show is just fantastic. And I can just keep watching it over and over again. So, Damien, have you been watching anything else? <laughs> uh, no, I just, like, I want to spoil the daylights out of the fans, but I need Andrew to finish watching the show. By finish, you mean start. I mean finish. Because <laughs> once he starts, oh boy, I'm telling you. It's gonna. Like, 
Andrew, Andrew. I wonder if one day I come on this podcast and I'm like, I started watching the Expanse. Meh. Yo, we know you. I know you're joking because no one, literally nobody I know that watches this show has ever gone meh. <laughs> Actually, that's true. I yeah. have, I have regular people friends who I mm-hmm. met, who I like talk about this show to, and uh, without thinking that they never watch it because they're regular people. And they come back to me and they're like, yo, Douglas, that show is off the chain. And I'm like, sorry, what? But that's not for you. He's like, no, it definitely is. So, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's hard not to like that show. Uh, uh, Andrew, there's people who have friends who only watch sports. And they've seen the expanse and they love the expanse. <laughs> like... When, when I told them that they have to watch it, they're just like you. You see the progression. They watch like the first couple of episodes, and they're like, "Kind of Star Trek nonsense is this?" Uh, because they don't have any other reference. And then there's one person who's like, "Is this just Cowboy Bebop?" And I went, "Don't, don't, no, it is. Just wait." And then you see. Everyone's reaction to the end of the first season is the reason the show is the best show on TV. Because if you once you get to the end of the first season, you have no choice but to keep watching the show. Because the show doesn't give you a point where you can go, I don't think I like this. There's no break in the action. They're just like, oh, we got you. And we're going. And they just keep on going. And this season should have been the slow season. But as I said, they had cloaked rocks thrown at Earth that devastated Earth. And that was like the third episode. <laughs> and they had, what was it, seven episodes after that? And, oh, it is glorious. It is. I really love the, sh- the accents that they have in this show. I mean, yeah. They kind of justify some of them, but I still, I still find them... Also, Andrew, you know, there's a lot of TV shows that we like, but let's say the the acting doesn't hold up. Like, the acting is not what pulls the show. The plot and, um, you know, the design of the world and all sorts of other things will pull the show. But it's not so much like... Hey, I love Justified. The acting in Justified until about season three was real rough. <laughs> but I still love that show regardless. This show doesn't have that problem. <laughs> While the accent work could be better, everybody's pulling their weight. No, 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 no. The, the accent work is perfect. <laughs> so you're saying it's Battlestar Galactica Part 2? No, I'm saying Battlestar Galactica galactica would kill to be as good as one of these episodes i've seen enough of Battlestar galactica to go no because uh, <laughs> someone someone told me that it was like Battlestar galactica was just more stargate sg1 and i love stargate sg1 i haven't seen them in a billion years but i remember i loved the show when it came out and so i watched Battlestar galactica and i was just like no I'm even watching the new Star Trek TV show on what will now be known as Paramount Plus. 
I've been watching that. I enjoy that. It's no expanse. The expanse is uh, one of a kind. Are you talking about Discovery or the Picard one? The Discovery. The okay. Picard one is trash. I've, I've not watched any of them. Yeah, you should. <laughs> it's real bad. <laughs> I've never been a Star Trek person. I just like those new movies with Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We used, Andrew, you and I used to watch a long time ago, um, The Next Generation. Yeah, I? because it was on JBC and we had no other TV to watch. It was like, that and MacGyver. Oh. <laughs> I hear that there's a new MacGyver. I think so, yeah. I mean, is, is There's that, a new Chuck Norris. Is that where we there's are? There's a new Walker, Texas Ranger. I mean, are we just done? Will there be no new ideas going forward? Nope, it's all over. Fair enough. Um... And then the ones that seem original, they're really just riffs on Kubrick and Scorsese. <laughs> uh, um, we'll have a lot. Of, I mean, Wonder Vision is nice, so let's hope they do more of that. I'm enjoying that. No, it's gotten it's gotten to the point I want, and I'm no, I'm liking see, it. No, 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 no. Mm. you're doing this wrong, Andrew. Andrew, no, bad Andrew. <laughs> Bad I, love, I love how <laughs> when I was enjoying the show because it was just rubbish, mm-hmm. I'm just like, what the fuck is this show? Exactly. The show is just like, it's just like old TV. And I'm like, yes, yeah, that's what yeah, I want. That's all I want. I, Give I know that they're like, oh, there's a real world and Marvel Universe is coming. I'm like, no, I don't like it. And he's like, yes, I want it. Someone yes. said Thanos and I was just like, this TV show is trash. Oh, my God. Yeah, I and was really... I was really hoping for just one solid episode of this with everything else, however many, let's say nine or six mm-hmm. other episodes being just, I'm a television show from all of these. Yeah, um, I was hoping that they'd wait until the final episode to be like, yeah. all right, for you other people who are have come here and are shouting at the internet like anybody cares, like you're ever going to stop watching Marvel TV shows. <laughs> Uh, here's a bone to get you into Winter Soldier and Flyboy. Uh, <laughs> like, Flycap. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for that show. Of course you can. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, come on. We're hey, all good you, you know what? I'd rather watch the Loki one because the Loki one looks like it could actually be good. Flyboy and Metal Arm. I have no interest in watching. <laughs> I'm going to watch it because they put the real TV stars in the movie. Slash TV show or whatever. There but who cares? TV stars in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah. But if I had to choose, I'd just watch the Loki one because they look like they're jumping around. It ki- hey, Loki kind of looks like WandaVision. <laughs> <laughs> it could be just like WandaVision. And I, I think I'll enjoy that. Here lies the difference. Here lies my thing with WandaVision slash Loki. And I don't know if I say it looks like WandaVision or whatever. Who gives a shit? Um, my thing with WandaVision is it wasn't just a dumb TV show that they made. They made a dumb TV show and they kept going like, hey guys, there's this something on the outside. There's weird things happening. And uh-huh. if they had just made, let's do a dumb TV show with WandaVision and just never do that at all. Like, and it's just the dumb show. And they're like, it's Dick Van Dyke, but Wanda Vision. Wanda and Vision are Dick Van Dyke and the wife and Lucy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sorry, and what? And Lucy. And, and Lucy. Lucy. Yeah, yeah, it's I the two of them. One, Dick Van Dyke and Lucy. That he doesn't remember that Mary Tyler Moore is the wife. No, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Like if they just did a season of that and they said, this is a dumb thing we wanted to make and we got them into it. I'm down. But they didn't make that. They made a dumb thing and they said, "We're this is all leading to a thing. And it was it was teased in such a way where I'm like, I want them to get to the fucking point. Now, if Loki is what I want it to be, which is just adventures, then that's fun. And I can't wait for that too. No, but they're going to do the same thing where they're like, hey, here's how this ties back into this big clockwork nonsense that we're making. And... I don't need that. Then so blame much. them for not having balls to make the thing you like. Uh, no, because they're making another Thor with Tycho. So they are making the thing that I like. I'm just waiting for that to come out. I need something to watch that is the next one. come out along with Cyberpunk when we're all out of COVID. No, I trust that Tycho can make a movie. I will never trust CD Projekt Red again. Um. But yeah, I, w- I wish Jojo was better. Oh Jesus! What? Tycho's Jojo movie. Jojo. Better. Jojo Rabbit. Okay. I wish it was better. I wish it, it was never existing. I like that. Movie. It isn't because you're wrong. <laughs> I know he likes Tycho and he's ignoring all the other parts, That's which I possible. wish I could do. I wish, I wish I could be there with you, Douglas. <laughs> that seems like a fun time. place to yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I watch it the second time and realize that it's bad, then oh boy, I'm going yeah. to... Just don't watch it a second time. <laughs> Douglas, I demand you watch it again. And no. I demand I demand a well-written Parasite. apology. Just <laughs> to watch Parasite. I don't care about Jojo. <laughs> oh wait, hold on. Why are we stopped? Because no one wants to hear what you said. We talked about the expansion we've done. I have, <laughs> I have things to watch, but this podcast is over. You play the music, the podcast is over. I don't know what to tell you. I fucked you up. Know, you guys, you guys, you guys were rambling too long. That's I don't the know problem. What to tell you. Like it sounded, actually, it sounded like we were kind of yeah, like know, right? drifting hey. into that space. I was actually waiting for Damien to finish his, his things. He never actually said anything. I didn't say that. anything about anything. You didn't say. So Andrew's just like this podcast is over. Watch next. I apologize, Douglas. You may not have the floor again. Please leave that in. <laughs> just fade us down. <laughs> and then just halfway through the song, just have us cut, have Douglas talk about what he's talking about. <laughs> it's perfect. So anyway, what beautiful. other shit did you watch? <laughs> Listen, the podcast is over. You talk oh. about your movie. <laughs> I am sorry. It legitimately <laughs> sounded like we were hitting that natural oh, end fantastic. Thank you, Andrew. That was beautiful. Um, you gave me too much power. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. Let me just breeze through the trash that I've been watching. I have watched all of Disenchantment. Do not watch any of Disenchantment. I have watched all of Tiffany Haddish Presents The Ready Part 2. Do not watch any of Tiffany Haddish's The Ready Part 2. I have watched all of Lupin. Joseph Sai is miraculous. This TV show is not. Do not watch the Lufa TV show. And I watch News of the World. I Love Me, Tom Hanks. Do not watch this movie. And I'm fin- Doug- Douglas Robinson. <laughs> Andrew's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. I 
Andrew just muted me without me knowing. Yep. And the only reason I know is because I was looking at All right, cool. Chat. This beta version, the buttons are too close. Uh-huh. I'm trying to mute myself. And yeah, then man. I accidentally clicked yeah, Douglas. Uh-huh. Just like how you accidentally ended the podcast. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, here is what I've watched since our last podcast. Uh, I watched a movie by the name of Promising Young Woman. It was fucking horrible. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I li- oh, yeah. I kind of like that movie. Uh, I also watched Shadow in the Cloud. That is a an instant classic. Go and watch that movie if you like shitty movies. Shadow um, in the Cloud. <laughs> yes. I also watched a few things, right? So Andrew talked about stuff that, you know, you rewatched. I did a, a lot of those comfort food, comfort movie rewatchings, like in Glorious Bastards and The Nice Guys. But something, a movie that I watched for the first time, funnily enough, I watched The Fisher King. That is a tell. Look at Andrew's face. How the shit have you never seen The Fisher King? So it's worse. It gets worse than just me never seeing it, right? So first of all, this is a movie by one of my favorite directors. This is a movie that came out in the 90s. This is a movie starring Robin Williams and Jeff Bridges, two of, well, would I call them my favorite actors? Staples of the 90s, definitely. Um, Two people that I love, right? How does that all come together and me not want to watch it or me not watch it at all? I don't know. Here's where it gets worse. I bought this movie. I own the Criterion Blu-ray for this movie. And I think I bought it in 2016. And I still had not watched this movie until... Don't you love, like, compiling that library and just go, like, I'll watch it sometime? Exactly. Exactly. Yo. That's exactly what happened. You get it and you're like, I'll watch it soon. <laughs> four or five years later you're like oh wait i still haven't watched this movie so i watched this movie maybe a week ago um it was actually it was last weekend and my default position is i like this movie because of all the bits and pieces but i don't know that it's actually a good movie and it definitely isn't the movie that i thought it was going to be i from all the trailers from what I expect because of who is in it and who helmed it, I expected uh, a movie where Jeff Bridges goes down a deep and dark rabbit hole and eventually becomes delusional and homeless and um, is right alongside Robin Williams in some sort of quixotic um, venture, right? That is not what this movie is at all. Have any of you guys watched this movie? No. Okay, cool. Um, I have definitely seen this movie. Yeah. Do you like this movie, Andrew? I don't remember. Um, I, I think I liked it. I don't recall that much. Like The only thing that's coming into my mind, other than like the, the general plot story as to what this movie is, is there's one scene I remember loving where I think they're in... Um, that big train station i've forgotten the name and like people start dancing or like he or like or he imagines people dancing and i remember loving that because i always love those kinds of scenes in movies where it just turns into dance because i'm a musical person um but yeah i remember being uh, i remember being shocked at this movie 
because it was one of those movies that I guess was early on in the Robin Williams career where it was probably, I don't know if this was the first or it was definitely one of the really early ones where he was no longer just the, the too much energy joke man. Right. (laughs) He had like character and like was doing was uh, some great acting in it. And it also reminded me that I think I don't really like Jeff Bridges that much as a, as a general actor. Right, like he has like iconic roles that he has done well, but like as the actor to lead a movie overall, if he's not, if they haven't written it as a Jeff Bridges iconic character, I don't know if I really love yeah. Jeff Bridges actor that much. They have to say to him, "Hear what? Listen, I know you think you're you or you're a person, but we want you to not be a person. We want you to be like." A cartoon. Can you be a cartoon? And then you love him. Once he's a cartoon of something, it's great. But once he thinks it's like a real person where he just, you know, can talk like a real person, walk like a real person, then all of a sudden you're like, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. But um, there's a reason no one like Crazy Heart. Oh. <laughs> um, so this is one of those movies where I'm pretty sure my biases are helping me to like this movie more than the movie itself is actually making me like it. Um, but yeah, I did, I did kind of enjoy it. I remember that scene that you are talking about. That scene was kind of fun. And Robin Williams, while he does do some real turns, uh, does also get to rely quite heavily on his comedic skills uh, because he, for a large swath of this movie, is essentially a crazy homeless person, right? Um, and doing... And when I say crazy, I don't mean crazy in like an, like a, a bad sense. I mean crazy like cartoonishly crazy. You meet Robin Williams because he is leading a, a, a merry band of homeless people with uh, like shields and bows, of, bows and arrows made of trash and saves uh, Jeff Bridges from impending doom, like the knights that they believe that they are. A typical Terry Gilliam sort of reason. Remind me, Douglas, because yeah. like you're describing that scene. And like, does this movie ever walk into Brazil territory where like they show you the real thing, but then they like cut to like a f- complete fantasy version where like it's full arm, like proper knight armor? I can't remember if that's in this movie or not. Not quite. No, it does not go full Brazil. And I actually think that that is this movie's downfall. If it went full Brazil, I probably would have reason to love it. Right now, I like it because of who is in it. Like, it, like it's all of the kookiness is still set in the real world. Yeah. world. yeah. And it's a little bit disappointing for me that it doesn't go full Brazil. And as I said, that you, you don't get the story of... Actually, even that movie that I love that you guys hate... The Don Quixote movie, right? Where Still haven't watched it. I thought, I thought you watched it and didn't like it. Um, anyway. Still haven't watched. I've seen, I've seen The Man from La Mancha, okay. <laughs> a musical from the seventies that has Sophia Loren in it. Um, but I never watched. I didn't get around to watch the Gilliam Don oh, Quixote. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, in that one, it does just this, where you get to see Adam Driver. Um, John Oliver's boyfriend uh, go into like a manic <laughs> sort of state where he becomes 
you know, he becomes delusional. And that's kind of what I wanted. Instead, this is more like uh, a weird Terry Gilliam shot at making a movie with redemption. And that's not that's not what I sign on for. But I will never say I don't like this movie. I like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about a couple of other things, right? Um, two things, two TV shows that I've been watching. Andrew, I know you like Alan Tudyk. I do too. Oh, wait, is this the alien show that I just saw an ad for? Yeah, he is I assume a, it's not good. <laughs> he's on a sci-fi show called Resident Alien. And I've decided, because I like Alan Tudyk, I will try this, this show that I know is definitely going to be a lot of shit, right? Um, I have to say, the first episode, while it is as garbage television as, as has been promised, I really enjoyed the first episode because, Andrew, close your eyes and picture in your mind a world where Alan Tudyk relies on all of the physical, comedic ability that he has, all of the crazy facial features that he can make mm -hmm. to pretend like he's an alien that mm -hmm. doesn't know how to use his body. Mm. You're, to, you're, you're painting something nice. To pretend like he's an alien who doesn't understand emotion. Is he also a droid? <laughs> Actually, th that argument could probably be made. <laughs> um, because I've seen Alan Tudyk as a droid, yeah. and that's, a good, that's some good droid. Yeah, yeah. So... The first episode is great. Um, you get to see him be extremely awkward and almost not, I wouldn't say emotionless, but not, not able to sync up emotions correctly and, um, you know, be essentially act like a strange person, right? And it works. It's great. The, it's three episodes in so far. The other two episodes are definitely not as strong as the first one. But it's, you know, it's a show that I would not recommend to anyone, but I would expect Andrew to watch and perhaps even enjoy. Uh, there is one other thing that I want to talk about, and it is both upsetting and delightful. On Tuesday evening, I turned on my Amazon Prime because I have been no condition to do so to watch The Expanse. Unfortunately, um, as we have said before, Jeff Bezos resigned and so they have decided to stop outputting uh, episode, new episodes on Tuesday nights. I guess maybe they're changing the day. I'll keep looking to see when the next episode comes out. Yeah, just check every night at 10. <laughs> yeah, eventually one will pop up. Maybe a year from now, right? <laughs> um, but what it did give me a chance to see was that there was something on Prime that I'd seen before. I'd seen the pictures of it, and I'd said to myself, I don't really want to watch it, whatever. But in my desperation in 
a time of weakness when I was hoping for expanse and got nothing. I said, you know what? I'll press play on this horseshoe. This Amazon Prime television show goes by the name of The Great Escapists and stars Richard Hammond of Top Gear and Grand Tour fame and Tori Bellici from The Mythbusters. Uh, now, has anybody... I saw the picture. Yeah, has anybody even like attempted, any of you two attempted to watch nope. it? Nope. None for me, please. I am here to tell you that I enjoyed the shit out of that show. <laughs> it's bad, don't get me wrong. But they know just how bad it is. It is the two of them pretending like they've been shipwrecked on some picturesque island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And they are essentially... Think about it as like the Grand Tour, right? Where they build things... Um, they build them to survive and to escape. And just like the Grand Tour, they have their bickerings and um, they try and make it into uh, a fun story. It is like so obvious how unreal it is. <laughs> and they build on that. They kind of, <laughs> you know, there's so many times it's almost like they're winking in the camera and whatever. But this movie is fun. You know, it's fun to watch a movie. Sorry, this TV show is fun. It's fun to watch these folks who are actually clearly genuinely interested in some of like the, the mechanical and um, uh, engineering sort of things that they get into. Right. So they make they they make um, uh, windmills. They make. Um, water wheels that make electricity. They supposedly build this grand house. They um, build cars and and tanks out of like driftwood. And of course, they have drag races because Richard Hammond cannot be in a television show without a drag race. And they build boats and gyrocopters, all sorts of foolishness out of supposedly planks of wood that they take from the ship that they have shipwrecked. It is equal parts of garbage and just unadulterated childish fun. And, and I like it. it. I actually, so much so that I finished the last episode tonight and today is Thursday. So that's three days of watching. It's not a lot of episodes. I think it's six episodes, but still. Um, I didn't mind the show at all. If you like the Grand Tour, you might just like the show. Actually. I think you just like Jeremy Clarkson and will watch him in anything that he's in. Yeah, actually, in a way, he's in this show. In the same way that Chow Yun Fat is in. Still yep. <laughs> they actually they pull a um a a a, a Wilson reference. Ah. And he finds Richard Hammond picks up a, an old football, mm -hmm. and of course he makes a joke to the extent of, "Oh, look at this ball! It's old." misshapen and leathery mm. i shall call him clarkson yep. and you know it's it's jokes and shit shenanigans like that that make the show work um it's not good by any standard of good but it's dumb and i enjoy it 
No. No. <laughs> still no. <laughs> no, still no. Yeah. Um, I'll stick to anime. So, uh, oh, all right. Never mind. I didn't know those were the two options. <laughs> Where are you? If these are your two options, Damien. Where do you fall? I mean, anime is broad. So, <laughs> so <laughs> at least I'd be able to find one or two that I like. <laughs> Apparently, so, all of Andrew's anime is made by somebody uh, involved with Attack on Titan. So. Yeah. So, and enjoy. boy, have I told you guys how much I love Attack on Titans? So I haven't watched <laughs> any of this new season. Because at the end of the last season, when so they explained good. the madness that was happening, I tried to punch the TV. I mean, I understand that response. It's so stupid. Even for anime, it's so stupid. Uh, but uh, I mean, Jujutsu Kaisen is fun. The panda oh, is not a panda. New Naruto, that's what yeah. I call it. Yeah. Panda is not panda. It's pretty good. Uh, the action scenes are fun, and the setup yep. is the setup is enough. <laughs> like, like um, I'm mildly irritated that it seems like most animes involve going to school. But um yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's something I've come to realize. I yeah. don't know if it has to do with the demographic they're selling to. 